Are you done? Did you do anything? What? Andrew, how you doing? Not too bad. How you doing, Mike? Good. Happy Friday night. Happy Friday night. I think we're both a little tired this week, aren't we? Yeah, you know, it's um it's the fall, right? It's the end of summer. Yeah, and kids are back at school. Kids are back at school and uh I know your kids are back at school and my kids are back at school and I'm actually in I'm actually in Boston. I've been in Boston since yesterday and I'm staying another night and I've got I'll be here through tomorrow and at a hotel here in Boston. I came to speak um speak at an event that was put on by Megan Blair Valero and um and a few others, a few other um people that we both mutually know. Um it was put on at a WeWork event here. It was called um inclusion without assimilation or inclusivity without assimilation assimilation and it was an event about diversity about women in leadership about uh minorities in leadership and about um the accounting finance and fintech professions in general so it was a really well attended event it was uh um at a we work on boylson street here in, Bo in the center of boston and uh um from the uh from 9 to eleven thirty this morning and so I've, I've been up uh, since early this morning, was prepping for that and got to that. I had a great time, but so that was a great event. It was, it was one of the, one of the first and hopefully uh, not last of many events about uh, diversity and women and, uh, and women um, and diversity in general in the workplace and leadership in the workplace and how we would like to see leaders and conference speakers um, representative of the population a demographic of people that actually work in the profession mm -hmm. so uh one thing i learned this morning was that the accounting and audit, audit profession is made up of 60 percent women i didn't know that i, I did not know that either i had no idea but but you would not think that with the uh lopsidedness of the amount of uh, male and white partners that yeah. are in the firms Right. Yeah, I guess that's that's the problem. It's not so much that there isn't diversity; it's that the ultimately the the people who are the partners and their firm owners are predominantly older white men. Yeah. What what's the what's the makeup of the employee base at your firm, Andrew? Uh, if you can share. Or yeah, you... I'm happy to share. We're actually very very diversified. I mean, we're representative of Toronto. Toronto is a very diverse um, city, so we've got people from pretty much every walk of life that you could have. I'm trying to think what the exact split is between um, men and women. So we have Oksana, Rachel, um, Karen, uh, Kenna, uh, who's a new hire, um, Maiko. So we got five women, Joni and my stepmother. So there's six women there of the local Toronto team. Mm. And then we've got Michael, Sat, Edward, Sean, um, myself, um, Sat Winder, I'm not sure if I said him yet. Um, yeah, so we have like, we have six women, five guys here in Toronto. Um, <laughs> our offshore team isn't quite as well diversified. That's more men. Um, but we literally have, you know, we have um, people from Latin cultures, people from um, Caribbean cultures, people from, um, Italian cultures, people from um, um, Indian cultures. Uh, so we have really a truly well diversified uh, thing. And yeah. it's really, you know, I love um, 
that our firm is really representative of what our city um, looks like. And, and I'm lucky to have that uh, growing up in Toronto and Canada is we are such a, you know, it's one of the big differences between Canada and the U S is that uh, you guys are, are the melting pot and we're the mosaic, right? So we, <laughs> as they say, where everyone in the States is expected to assimilate. Whereas in Canada, we want to celebrate people's individual cultures and that's, yeah, you know, that's we love, being able to go to Chinatown or Koreatown or India town, not just for the great food, but for a slice of their culture. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that's an interesting thing that I think it sounds like Canadians or what you, from your experience, Canadians are more of a mosaic. You actually want appreciate the cultures and want to bring those strengths and the good things about it into the workplace. Whereas we've been about assimilation, the melting pot and, and very merry. And there's a lot of pressure both in the workplace as well as culturally to assimilate there's yeah. definitely indirect and direct pressure um for me to do that i remember um you know i've told this story to some people but before i entered uh, before i entered high school is when i uh, i actually chose the name michael for myself i really? what's your given yeah, name i was given the name uh when i was born i was given a chinese name chunsiu that's it's pronounced chunsiu and so I was called Chun growing up by my, all my friends. Right. And I was called Chun um, all through middle school. And then the summer before we went to high school, my mother, who on one side was trying to be smart and, say, and, and in her mind said, if you go to school with, with your given names, uh, you won't be called on in class. The teachers will be too afraid to call in class. So in some ways, she said, okay, I'm going to deal with the realities that the teachers and the culture here don't, can't pronounce these names. But on the other hand, it was indirect pressure, right, to assimilate. Yeah. Um, on one hand, she was smart also in that she spoke – she basically forced herself to speak only English to us at home, even though her English was pretty broken. Right. Um, and, not, and not speak uh, our native language uh, growing up um, basically after I was six or seven, you know. Mm -hmm. And then – so I learned – you know, growing up here, I learned English fluently and then and hearing English, basically even Brooklyn English at home. I, you know, if you talk to me, I, I don't have an accent. Right. And I actually have co cousins and relatives who were born and raised here and they have accents as if they weren't born here, which is very strange. Um, but on the flip side, I don't have my native language. Yeah. I've lost my native language and I can't pass it on to my children. Mm -hmm. So there, there, there are, there's all, there are all those indirect and direct assimilation practices that we have. Uh, and, and then I think my culture, especially in the Chinese Cambodian and in particular, the Chinese culture, if you're trying to assimilate fast in American heritage, you kind of are very, really encouraged to take on, I guess, white cultural tendencies or things that would be, would help you be accepted faster in the workplace and help you kind of gain footing in the workplace. Can you give um, me some examples? Oh yeah. Uh, well, so, you know, growing up, I was, I was, um, always taught to never interrupt or speak or disagree against anybody that looked or was older than you. Hector and I'll change that with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Hector and us long enough, you'll have no problem yeah. interrupting people. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I know that for sure. <laughs> I know that for darn sure. So I was always taught that. So you know, when you then enter into a workplace where, uh, you know, the, the American 
work environment is, is dog eat dog. Right. And it, it is about, it is, it is predominantly, especially in, in, in certain professions, it's predominantly an a player D dominance personality game. And that's how you get ahead. And you, you advocate for yourself and you, you, you speak up and you disagree and you, uh, you push boundaries. And, uh, and so if you, and even in the field of entrepreneurship, right? It's like you innovate, you push boundaries, you, you never give up, you don't say no, you don't take no for an answer. So those are not naturally taught in an Asian home. That, yeah. that is uh, where really it's about communal acceptance. And it's not about individual identity. It's about what is, what is the family believe? What is the family, family identity around you? Um, and so, uh, so that definitely was something that I quickly learned. Like if I don't, it, it, I can either choose to be, to be, to try to bring in the, the Asian cultural practices that I learned growing up or what I ended up doing was I learned how to navigate American society and through my American friends and, um, and much to my, my mom's disappointment as she saw me, you know, do things that a typical Asian kid would not do. Right. Uh, uh, take it, take an early interest in girls or, uh, you know, actually not play the violin or the piano, right. <laughs> and, and do something, um, you know, like people like, like going out and enjoying friendships and, and doing stuff where a lot of my Asian counterparts were at home in high school studying or, or learning the piano or violin or whatever it is. That was pretty fairly typical stereotype, but, uh, you're, I mean, you're, uh, uh, you're, I've, I've seen, your family picture yeah your wife and your your kids pictures at least they haven't heard talked to them met with them but they're they're um of asian ethnicity yep. uh, where where do they come from and what what dynamics have you learned just from the cross cultural marriage cuz i'm in a biracial marriage too just like you yeah and so what uh what have you learned or seen in that those differences well, there i have definitely learned that there is there's huge cultural differences between eastern and western sort of philosophies on family Mm -hmm. Um, that's for sure. One thing that's, uh, really interesting, it's sort of, um, my wife was commenting because, um, uh, Christy Teigen, um, who you probably know, yeah. um, has an Asian mother who lives with her. She's like, look, it's not just my family. Look, it's all Asian families. Their mothers live with you. It's what happens. I'm like, which was a cultural thing for me. Cause you know, in sort of more waspy things, no, there's that big separation. Happen. The parents right. want to be going off and doing their own things. And <laughs> in the Asian culture, no, the moms, they come and they stay with you and they cook for you and they shove food down your throat, <laughs> whether you're hungry or not, which is like amazing. Like my, my mother-in-law is this really warm, well, welcoming woman yeah um who barely speaks english <laughs> um it's it's definitely somewhere and between what's her, and what's her and background english. or what's her uh, it's a korean is it korean it's korean uh, yeah okay, it's so korean, i've yeah. i've picked up uh more korean than i would have ever expected because learning asian <laughs> languages is not easy but the more you're sort of immersed in it um the better you are and it's the one thing that um that i do see is it's it's hard for the parents i think because they want you on some levels to assimilate because they want you to fit in and they want you to succeed right. and they have so much drive. And this is the thing I think that we recognize and why Canada loves immigrants so much is because they work so fucking hard. Right. They really do. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting us rated at R here. Again. <laughs> Every um, episode is rated E because of you. <laughs> rated e, yeah. but they, they really do work hard. Like her parents came here with absolutely nothing and yeah. had to, to scrounge and build themselves up and and their family also came from a very um 
you know, a really tough thing because they went through the Korean War, uh, as many families have, you know, you had there's Cambodian War and the, you know, and, and all the things that our parents experienced that I don't think we can ever really imagine or imagine yeah, or, yeah. or comprehend, you know, even my, my sister and uh, her brother-in-law, who's actually Eastern Europe and my brother-in-law, her husband is actually Eastern European. They went through wars and, and struggles yeah. and stuff. It was, a, it was a different world. We can't comprehend. And they have this desire to see us succeed and this desire to, to see, or not us, I guess their grandchildren succeed and fit into these things. But then they also want to see you, like you said, have the stereotypical norms, be a great violin player and, you know, mm -hmm. um, be respectful and submissive, but yet <laughs> dominant and assertive. So like right. they're, they're, they're trying to see you succeed at all levels. So they're, they're, it's, it's harder for them. Um, and I'd say the, it's when we, when we, when you actually do marry the Eastern and Western philosophies, which ultimately you've done, right. Um, is where you really get these amazing successes. I, I see that in my children. Um, they have the drive for my wife who has pushed them to excel at academics and athletics. And, and it has that bit of that very much that tiger mom, like your, the kids are going to succeed. And, you know, her famous <laughs> quote is, um, if my kids are smart, they'll be doctors. If they're not that smart, they'll be lawyers. And if they're really fucking stupid, they'll be accountants. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the worst that could happen. That's the worst that could happen. I'm like, well, what, if, that bad. <laughs> what if she's a waitress? What if our daughter's a waitress? <laughs> um, but, and that was ingrained in her, right? Yeah. Her, her parents wanted her, wanted her and her sister to be, professionals and and they pushed them really hard to 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 work hard at academically but they wanted them to also fit in socially and have the north american thing so they were sort of trying to push them on both fronts not recognizing that there was inconsistencies but yet when they have that balance with you know work really hard try your best to succeed um but yet a little bit of that western you know here's a ribbon for fourth place we love you no matter what you do you combine that so that you push them to work really hard, but you accept them no matter what level that they hit, that I think is, is the ideal. Mm. Um, and, you know, one thing that was really rewarding for me, you know, being a Western father who, who, you know, gives the fourth place ribbons and medals, like, you know, you get a prize no matter what position you're in um, to see my daughter when she was excelling in swimming. Um, and we'd taken her from, you know, local, um competitions and local swim meets where she was ranking you know winning first place second place third place uh meddling to competing at um she's swimming now at something they call youth festival which is sort of like the national level here or sorry the provincial level here at, or state level as you would call it and um and she when she started there she was she was nowhere near the top she was down at the bottom she was like 30th well not bottom she was middle tier but she was nowhere near the top and I was really worried that that would demotivate her and that she would lose her passion for swimming. It actually had the opposite effect, huh. right? She, she wanted to see her move up that chain. She was okay not necessarily having the first place uh, win as long as she had these goals. Like she wanted to be first place. And, and right. when, she, when she got her first first place win and she got her first podium medal, the excitement and the joy that she yeah. had of achieving yeah. that watching herself move up that thing was unparalleled but she was okay not winning 
but part of that was because, you know, my, my wife was definitely driving. You got to do well, you got to do well. But she also knew that she had my love and support and her mother's love and support, no matter what level yeah. she came in at. Have you guys, uh, have you guys, my wife has um, been, has watched, I think almost every episode of that. I can't, it's, it's, it's this sitcom that's in Canada about this Korean family. Yeah, the grocery store one or yeah, Kim's yeah, Convenience. Yeah. yeah, Kim's Convenience. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, yeah. Great I, show. We, I actually, I've seen it, but I haven't watched watched uh, much of it. Oh. Um, it's funny because like half the Korean people are named Kim, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, um, yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of the stories I I told today on on, on we were we had some re- really great speakers and and um, and then we had this panel at the end and so there was five of us there and with with a, with a moderator and we were talking about just different experiences that that we bring to work and how people of color at, in their workplace um when they're when they're in the workplace they have many have to give extra effort um at the workplace to uh to sh- to kind of show up and put on their game face for work and they're putting this extra effort in um that we hope that environments would become more and more places where people don't have to have put extra effort in. They can just really be themselves. And I've really tried intentionally to create an environment where people could be themselves and they don't have to, they could just show up as themselves and not have to put on a work face versus a home face. And so I'd tell a story how uh, I'll, I do, I'll intentionally do things uh, to make myself uncomfortable and, uh, and, and try to, teach me some things and invade I mean even doing this Friday night live thing with you guys is something that I never thought I'd end up doing uh now it's been almost you know nine months straight and we're still doing it right it's yeah, yeah. crazy and you're rocking it Mike you're rocking rocking it. It. yeah it's fun and so I'm learning a lot and um but one of the things I've, I've one of the things that uh I did last uh last year or this year is I've been going to niche conferences that are that are centered around other communities that I don't normally interact with right Mm -hmm. and so last summer I uh, got a booth at the Black Enterprise Summit and the Black Enterprise Summit's like you know they they own this magazine called the Black Enterprise Magazine which is which is like the entrepreneurship magazine for the black community and um they do the summit only Asian person is the only Asian person so the first thing is like you know one of the things we talked about today was how um you know ask 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 the stupid question, like ask the question and, and just, and say it in a way that says, Hey, look, I'm going to ask a stupid question because, and most people will forgive you. will give you grace. Right. And so when I signed up for the booth, I said, uh, the first thing I said was, do I have to be black to go to the event? Right. And it's called the black enterprise summit. So I just didn't know. And Mm -hmm. they said, no, no, no. It's a, it's a common question. Of course you can come. And so, and it was great because I got, we reconciled and, and myself got so much exposure on their social media channels as well as at the event. And because I think they were really impressed and also really excited that somebody was willing to come and make themselves uncomfortable. And, and they honestly felt made me feel very, very welcomed um, at the event. And so uh, at the event, I remember, I remember walking, um, leaving my booth once and just walking around to see the other booths and somebody at another booth yells out, Hey, what country you, what country are you representing? That's exactly what they said. <laughs> what country are you representing? And I kind of was like confused, like uh, United what, States. Yeah, like yeah. So I was just like America. Come on. Like, yeah, yeah. What are we, are we talking about the World Cup here? What are we talking about? You know? And he's like, No, no, no. What what country? Where are you from? Where are you from? I was like, I'm from America. I'm from. I was born in Arizona. 
She's like, no, where are you from? And what What's she meant to say, where, where are your yeah. parents from? I was like, where are your, where are my parents from? Is that what you, that, so I just kind of gave her some grace. Like, are you saying where are my parents from? Like, yes, I said, they're from Cambodia. So then she like gave me this random, I, I think this happens to me all the time. Like people will, I'll say where my parents are from, not where I'm from, I'm from Arizona. I'll say where my parents are from. And they, in a way to connect with me, will say something in the realm of, oh, my daughter is dating or my son is married to a Korean person. Yeah. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm going, okay, this person is trying to connect with me. Those are two completely different countries and cultures. They don't speak remotely the same language. Yeah. There's the food's not even the same, but I am going to give grace just like they've given grace to me being at this event. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give grace back. And, and, you know, so that was one experience. And then the earlier this year, I, uh, I decided to go, I, I was looking for e-commerce conferences to go to, cause we, we have a number of e-commerce customers and I was like, okay, let's go get some more. And there was an event called the JCon the Jewish conference okay. for e-commerce entrepreneurs. So it was called JCon e-commerce. I bet you weren't the only Asian person there. I was one of the only Asian. One people. of the only. So you weren't the, weren't the uh, only. I might've been the only, well, <laughs> the only other person was my, uh, my, one of my employees that I brought with me who was Asian. Yeah. She's okay. Korean. So uh, she's half Korean. She's biracial. So um, it was in Brooklyn and I flew in and, and so this is what I did, me being the, the, the dummy that I am. First of all, I asked if I could go, right, if he had to be Jewish, and then asked if I could bring an employee that, that wasn't Jewish as well, and they said yes, it was fine. And so we came, and so I flew in, and you know how when you get a Ben Ruth, you want to you get something to get people to your booth, right? So for me, it's like Probably candy. it wasn't bacon. It was candy. No, 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 not bacon. <laughs> not bacon. Well, not as bad as bacon, but it was candy. So I go. It's a Friday, but I go to the store. I go to Target. I find the closest store to the to the venue spot. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna get bags of candy. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna get a bunch of chocolate, right? So I get, I basically get a, like a thousand pieces of non-kosher candy for this event. I show up, we go to the booth, and um, and I realize I'm, as I'm watching, like no one's coming to our booth and grabbing candy. Like they'll come talk to me, but they purposely are not grabbing candy. N not even the kids, right? <laughs> And I realized, oh no, something's wrong. So then the 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 uh, organizer came by, and he had kindly went and got bags of kosher candy, and basically said, hey, you know, you you wouldn't know this, but you know, could you not serve this candy? Um, let's do this other candy set. So I said, oh, thank you, you know. So so that was really really funny. And um, and then uh, but one of the unique things, interesting things was uh as the men came by, as the Orthodox Jewish men came by, they wouldn't look at or shake hands with my female employee that I brought with me. Interesting. And I didn't realize that. And at first I was offended, right? At first. And then I realized, wait, oh, this is the community. Like this is the, this is part of the community. And, and, and I've entered into the, their space. I've entered into their space. Um, uh, you know, and so I need to respect the culture. And I, I kind of, and it's one of those things of suspend your, suspend your right not to be offended right yeah. so like just suspend it and so it's like okay i don't need to be offended like it's okay i'm here and i'm gonna learn and so um and then before i knew it like the orthodox jewish television came by to my booth and like wanted me to dance with the host on the television screen and so like we were dancing with the camera it was really, really funny um but yeah those are some of the things that kind of i learned putting yourself in situations like even me growing up uh 
in, in, in a, in a multi-religious home growing up both with uh, a refugee identity and Amer- uh, an Asian identity and then an American identity outside of that um, growing up in all that mix, there's still situations that I need to put myself into to learn and to get uncomfortable yeah. to make those, make those uncomfortable decisions. And those help me and those help me with my firm. And I think you can help anyone with their firm to figure out what are, com- what are ways in which you can be, uh, you can have competitive advantage, right? What are ways in which you can bring that type of culture into your workplace yeah. um, for, for, for the benefit. Yeah. For the benefit. yeah I, I think that's uh, so important. I, I wish more people um, did that. I wish I, I did that more myself and, and, and expose myself um, to, to being uncomfortable. You know, I'm, you know, I, I grew up as the most fortunate type of person obviously white male privileged you know i i'm you know very rarely the only white person when i walk into a room but how many experiences have you had where you're the only asian person yeah how many experiences do you know um black people have where they're the only black person so i think you being the only asian person at the black summit is they they embraced it because they're like we can relate to that we can right be the only black person and and i think that that's something i need to do more of i i'm you know, I love to definitely immerse myself in cultures and do that. Um, and, and, you know, I just, it's hard sometimes to find um, the opportunities to do that. You know, one of the things um, that I've got to do more of is looking for these, these culturally specific uh, events that may, would be way outside my comfort zone. So I'm going to take that one as a, a lesson learned. I'm, I'm going to go and try that. So I think that go, that'll be go, interesting. Uh, go to events where and it's probably, it's probably not hard for you because you're a tall guy. So you almost every event you go to, you're probably the tallest guy in the room, but you could go to events where everyone is on purpose, purposely under five foot five, right? So like, you know, that's like a normal, you know, Asian family event that I go to, but like, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, you could also, I don't know. Do, do you guys, does your, your wife's side and, and your mother-in-law, do they spend time with the greater Korean community in your community? Are they connected to that? No, they're, they're that? not really that. My mother-in-law is, she does a lot of sort of, um, like she's got a lot of Korean friends and, okay. um, does stuff, but not really on a, on a big social thing. Um, my wife was, you know, most of her friends were probably white growing up. Um, yeah. And um, it's funny. I think I had, I had more Asian friends than she did. Really? Oh, that's really, really <laughs> Well, I, I grew up in, in downtown Toronto um, okay. and downtown Toronto fairly, you know, there's a lot of Asian cultures and community. And I went to a school in, in Jarvis, which is right in the core um, and had a big, huge Asian community. I spent my high school hanging out with mostly Asian people. Uh, ah, well, that explains a lot. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, as, as I'm, you know, I can, I, I like and appreciate various variety of different cultures. And, um, you know, I think that the more that we expose ourselves to different cultures and, and can learn and embrace the different things that they have, the better off that we are, because, you know, if you can take the best pieces out of all these different cultures, you're just going to have such an amazing experience. Um, but of course, you've got to recognize that every culture, every single culture has their great strengths and their great weaknesses. And I think sometimes, you know, it's good when we're when you're experimenting um, to, you know, say, hey, uh, you know, while I'm in this culture, I need to, to, you know, accept their cultural norms. But I think you also got to look up and say, you know, it's not okay 
to to not shake hands with a woman it's it's not okay that doesn't fit my 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 comfort level and i don't want to bring that i don't want to absorb that part of that that culture right right um and i think that that's that's different and it's you know interesting because you know even within my family um we have a lot of cultures within my family because i've got you know five brothers and sisters who've all uh married people from different cultures like oh really Craig is, is, is married to an Orthodox Jewish woman. Uh. Um, my stepbrother is uh, married to an Eastern European uh, Catholic girl. My sister is married to a distant Eastern European guy. And, um, you know, my, my, my sister is the one person who married a stereotypical white Canadian guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got, I've got the, Korea, the, the Korean wife. So we really have this, even within our own family, this diverse culture and, and trying to, see and, and things that from the different communities that that we we love and I, I mean there's so many things about the eastern european uh culture that i love uh maybe sometimes too much especially like the the palanca with the hungarians and <laughs> <laughs> the drinking that, that that goes over all too well sometimes um and and on the catholicism side i love the fact that you can just repent and then you're forgiven <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> that's funny yeah we didn't have that on the protestant side right? oh yeah yeah no, that's not that's yeah, you're yeah. just going to hell it's just, <laughs> yeah. wow that's really really funny well yeah i wish i, I wish hector i wish hector was had been on this call because i think there's a lot he could have probably contributed to this to this yeah well and, and that's the thing too is i mean i love that he's he's really embracing his cultural roots with his kids Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, having when he, when he was up at the cottage, it was a great experience to get to know uh, his wife and his family. Um, and you know, he took he took us out for dinner. We went out for a place where we had arepas, uh, which is like a you know a, a a food that's part of his cultural heritage. You know, we talked about music as being a part of his culture. He's making yeah. sure that he's he's teaching his kids Spanish and making sure that they they are fully bilingual so that they don't. They don't lose that right and i think that that's um that's something you don't see very often in the states because of this sort of melting yep. um, pot approach that, that you have you know you see that more more in canada um and in fact it's the first question i often get asked is are you teaching your kids korean um right. you know because that's that's sort of the norm is it's accepted here that we want people to maintain and, right. and keep their cultures right. um and it's different in the States. And I think it's different because you're such a patriotic country. Right. And I think that patriotism, which is a massive strength, really fights against the multiculturalism. Because if you're going to be patriotic for your country, you've got to have this one kind of single identity, almost identity that, yeah. that everyone's patriotic about. Right. right. And it can't be you can't be. Can you be a patriotic, you know, Chinese American? Right. You know, that's, that's and that's like I think that's the big question right now. You know, I think the idea of, uh, I think the idea of what is patriotism? What does it mean to be a citizen? What does it mean to be American? I think there isn't, there is still a relic of an idea that is being still being held very tightly by the baby boomer generation and older. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I'm generalizing here. I know there's exceptions yep. in every generation, but you know. But then I th I would I would say that there's the millennial generation, maybe even Gen X and 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 um and and younger, who are not as as far as I understand, or I'm assuming maybe I'm making too many assumptions, but not as a bought into this one definition of the yeah. homogenous, stereotypical, 
American identity, citizen, patriot, um, and are trying to understand or maybe reframe, or maybe they're not, they don't care about this idea of citizenship or patriotism or whatever. Um, and in my, and I, to me, I feel like the, the identities that are, that have the strongest hold right now in our society are frankly brands. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think brands. Apple's got a, got more patriotism than oh, the United yes. States right now. Yes. Of what people really day in, day out fight for and crave for and will die for. And I don't know if it's, the, if, if, if it's for the same American identity that our, that our parents' generation fought for. Um, or F54. And that's unfortunate, you know, but I think that's also the big question is, hey, you know, why can we have an identity, a patriotic identity about America that's proud to be American, but is a multicultural American? Yeah. Is, is not, it's, a, it's a biracial American. It's a multiple culture. It's a mutt American. It's not a it's not only a European mutt American. Yeah. Right. And we've been able That's, to do that up here in Canada, right? Like yeah, we, we, yeah. we are, you know, we like, we embrace this concept of a mosaic. We have this much, right. but we also don't have as much of a strong patriotism, you know, as, you know, as the Americans do, we're happy being the goofy Canadian guy who drinks too much beer and loves his maple syrup. Right. Like um, we, we can sort of laugh at ourselves a little bit more and, and, um, and we've, you know, a great comic out there. Um, I was at this event and, and there was this um, artist who was showing some of his work that he'd done and it was all uh, political um, comics. Yeah. And one of the things that they had in the paper uh, was it was a picture of like a drawing of like this F-18 bomber. It was something about uh, they were going to war at the time. And then a Canadian goose with like a pot on the, on its head. Like <laughs> that's our version of a, of, of a, of an attack plane. Right. Is the Canadian goose? We just know, like, we, we have no real army. We're not really a threat to anybody, you know. <laughs> so the patriotism thing, which which uh, which came a lot out of the war, right? I mean, it was propaganda, right? right? So we don't ha- we we didn't have that as ingrained and as as pushed as hard at us. So while we, you know, I think our patriotism came around a beer campaign, an advertising campaign. You talk about brands. Like I think what defined I am Canadian is a beer ad for Molson. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible, but it's, it's true. I think we're, we are more patriotic to our, to our beer ads is, and our yeah, commercials yeah. than we are to our country and its military and its, and its might and its power. Um, largely, I guess, because we've never really been that big yeah. of a threat to anyone um, or have been threatened that much by anyone because we have our big brother to the south who's going to, you know, take care of all any of the bullies in the playground. Um, and so I, that I, that I, makes yeah. it harder for you guys to overcome. But, you know, you look around on the world, and and I also know, again, you know, speaking from my own family's background, um, you know, my grandmother came from such a racist, unfortunately, background. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't just her. I mean, this is just what it was back right. then. And they didn't know. And we don't have that now. And so people who are growing up don't have that, that same experience. They're also exposed more to people. And, and that right. to me is how you eliminate racism or sexism 
or any kind of ism. interaction and exposure. Yeah. Interaction yeah. and exposure. Yeah. And we're getting that now, right? right? Particularly, I think where where you still struggle with with issues is in rural communities because they're still not getting that exposure because they just have a small community where they're where they're just not getting the exposure. Well, and, I, and I think you also deal with it where there are systems and structures that have been in place for a long time yeah. that self-perpetuate the same stereo the same type of leaders so like the accounting profession where yeah basically you've got a generation of of partners waiting to retire waiting yeah. to leave and the question will be is the generation taking over power are will they be more diverse and how open and inclusive will they be right yeah. and will will minorities and will female leaders and women, women, women leaders be around waiting around long enough for these well, guys who want to retire, right? Like who will finally give the way the mantle and be yeah. willing to change. So that will be a great question. But like the, the systems themselves are, I mean, the reality is human beings do set up systems. Those systems have to be supported by human beings, but they exist. They're there. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and they're all over America for yeah. sure. And they, they have, benefited certain types of people and not benefited certain types of people and reality is some of those systems can continue to self-perpetuate unless the system's completely overhauled or changed or completely blown away just yep. gone right taken apart and that you know that is that i think is going to be is a, is a very interesting thing i i think we may say see a day and i've thought about this for the past year as, as especially as i studied more about blockchain i've studied more about the new technologies coming out we may see a day where our allegiance as a citizen is practically to a brand and that our the brand that we claim allegiance or citizenship to pays pays a government pays like the US for infrastructure and to protect you mm. but your allegiance or your card would say Apple. Uh, I am into it or I am yeah, or yeah, into it. Into Google. it or I am into it. I Whatever. am and your zero, I am like your production, your work, all those things would actually go towards the benefit of that entity, that brand. Right. But then they would basically be renting your protection for you and your infrastructure and the things you need from the government or the land you happen to live in until we come up with a new structure. Because the idea of a nation state still like it's basically the most recent idea. There were ideas before that, and there will be new ideas of, of, of country rule after that, right? But the nation state is an idea, and it's been around for a while. It's not the longest-running one, right? And uh, it hasn't been around forever. So it'll be interesting to see what, if, if, if technology ever disrupts that and gives us a new idea. And I think these new technologies like blockchain, AI, and other things, and the fact that the question of citizenship, the idea of nationalism is being questioned. And you can see this across – not just America, across the globe. Right. Yeah. The idea of it, like Brexit, the issue of Brexit is the very question. It's the idea of it, yeah. whether or not it really holds power. Once you take away certain things like, do you need a currency centralized somewhere between borders? Um, no, we're kind of proving that you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, do you need a government pr providing you access to, to certain things? Well, no, we're proving that you don't. So what do you need them for now, right? Well, protection and infrastructure. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's basically the two things, right? So that's that's interesting. And almost infrastructure almost being 
sometimes somewhat more more critical than than protection. Right, right. Because the because the infrastructure is great. What are you fighting? What are you getting protected from? Yeah, like, and every, and if everybody's happy yeah, and everybody's, everybody's happy at a high standard yes. of living, then yes. no one's fighting or threatening you. Yes. Um, although th- this sounds like it could be an amazing Black Mirror episode <laughs> if, if it's not already one. <laughs> not, I'm somewhere. sure it is. I'm yeah. sure we're not the first ones to come up with it. So, well, hey, I know we're both. I know we're both tired, and we we wanted to. You know, we were we were hoping for Ian Crosby tonight with Bent. Maybe we'll get him on next time. Um, yeah. And so, but yeah, you know, we probably crap it a night unless there's anything else, any of the last comments you want to say, Andrew, and any last yeah, thoughts? I'll just, um, yeah, wrap it up by, you know, saying it's, um, I still have a lot to learn about more inclusion and diversity. I, I am really fortunate to have um, a really diverse team. I, I mean, I remember having a really amazing conversation with, with Nao Carter um, Gray, and when I was down at, at San Jose for, for accountants council, and I think she was, was she at the inclusion and diversity event? Yeah, Cause it, morning. Yep, yep. Yeah. Cause I saw a post by yeah. Linda Artisani that with her that said something about inclusion. So assume she was there. Um, but yeah, just, you know, having an interesting conversation with her where I was asking the stupid ignorant questions. Cause I just, I don't know. So I, I guess I've got to expose myself, um, to, to those different experiences that you talked about. Um, and I need people who are going to be patient and understanding yep. um, who were willing to answer the stupid questions Yeah. Uh, and listen to me the way, the way Nao did while she was stone cold sober. I was maybe a, a few, a few drinks in, um, <laughs> but we just, we, we ended up talking like this 10 minute conversation that went like two hours long um, about diversity and, and inclusion um, and, and about all the issues and, and the struggles that in, in Nao's case, the black community faces um you know it's it's hard for me to wrap my hand around that and understand it because i haven't been through that experience yeah so um i've got to expose myself to more um and we need help from from people um from these different communities to come out and expose themselves to us too because as we said the more that we get that interaction and that communication fostered between these different communities the more that everyone understands hey he's just mike's just a guy Right. You know, he's not a Cambodian. He's right. just a guy. Right. right? right. You know, Dale's not a black woman. She's just a woman, <laughs> you know, um, and and to, you know, have that exposure is, is so critical. Um, and and, you know, I think that um, we're fortunate right now that we are also in an era. Well, yes, there are still definitively structures that have perpetuated this problem of racism and sexism. We're also living in an era where people can break molds easier than it's ever been done before because you can walk out the door and start your own practice. Fuck you. I'm not, I'm not making partner here. I'll start my own business and freaking take all your clients. Right. You know what I mean? And, and we are seeing the rise of so many amazing, um, you know, people from diverse backgrounds and women, right? Like just, exploding in in our community you know how many amazing powerful women do we know in our community how many amazing people from latino backgrounds from asian backgrounds from black backgrounds do we know they're still not enough but you know we know people in this community right look look at nail look at you look at hector um look at mariette like there's so many people look at juliet and steve like there's there's so many amazing people who are 
now breaking those molds and saying, you know, this is what a successful business owner looks like. We are women, we are uh, Latino, we are Asian, we are black, we are every walk of life that you would find across Canada and the United States. Right, right. No, that's great. That's a good word. Well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for engaging on this. Uh, definitely uh, not the topic that we expected to talk about tonight, but we, yeah, we were going to be talking about bench and technology and, (laughs) and just, this is the thing, this is the joy of Friday Night Live is these random conversations. And, and I, I, I actually really appreciated having this conversation because I feel like I really, I've gotten to know you even, even better. I mean, I, I love this experience. Um, and, and thank you and, and Hector for including me in this, in this experiment that is friday night live that um is just a blast and i I haven't even been monitoring facebook or the chat i don't know if you have so i don't know if anyone's even watching the show tonight Um, hopefully they found this conversation as interesting as i did definitely well great well get some rest andrew i'm gonna get some rest as well we'll talk soon yeah okay bye for now good night